Welcome and thank you for joining us on Inside Bend, a podcast where we get an inside look at the city of Bend from the people who keep our city running. You'll hear about the innovative ways our local government is responding to our community's needs and helping shape Bend's future. I'm your host, Jacob Larson. This month's podcast is going to be a little different from the way we typically do our podcasts. We wanted to honor our public works departments during National Public Works Week. The public works teams are vital for our city and are at the core of the services that we provide for our community. Simply put, without public works, there would be no roads, sidewalks, running water, or flushing toilets. The work they do is essential. So on this episode, you'll hear from three different staff members who are each a part of the various teams that make up public works. Dan Denny from the Utilities Department is here to talk about water conservation. Carrie Theus from the Engineering and Infrastructure Planning Department will talk about the only bicycle and pedestrian improvements project. And finally, Paul Nyswanger from the Transportation and Mobility Department joins us to speak about the Street Preservation Program. First up is Dan Denning, who has some great tips on how you can save water and money heading into the summer months. I am joined by Dan Denning. He is the Water Conservation Program Manager, and I wanted to start with getting a better understanding of your role and what your program aims to do for the community. Sure, yeah. Conservation is kind of a year-round effort for us. Um, You know, in the winter, we're focused on, you know, leakage, uh, customer-side leakage, winter quarter average, um, you know, the effects that leakage has on that, Um, you know, but then we move into the spring and irrigation season, and that's really where we see our demands jump up by about five times. Um, so this is a crucial uh, part of the year for us this is where we get really busy, uh, start getting a little frazzled and, and um, but it's, it's exciting for us. You know, we're out in the field, we're engaging with customers, we're engaging with, uh, you know, our partners at schools, parks, the green industry folks. Uh, so it is, it is a, a fun time for us as well. Um, but really, we, this is where a majority of our core programs happen. So our residential uh, sprinkler inspection program program that's pretty popular, our large landscape program, um, you know, a portion of that is our water waste code enforcement. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of folks might not know we even have water use code here in the city of Bend, but it's really about, um, you know, just providing some guidelines for the efficient use of water within the community. Why is it so important to conserve water and not just, you know, one person, but kind of getting the whole community behind this effort? That's a great question, Jacob. I mean, the the obvious one is practicing conservation uh, on the daily helps us with our not only our resiliency of our water supplies, but the longevity. In the city, we are not only focused on our, our peak day demands, right? So the stress that gets put on our system uh, through increases in water use, uh, but also with uh, the long-term availability of our resources, you know, thinking of conservation as a third uh, supply of water for the city, right? So that helps us um, absorb any growth or variations in climate from year to year. And that's really where it makes more affordable water and available water for our community. You know, you say it's kind of that like conservation is that third water source. I think we hear a lot of times like, yeah, Bend is in good shape water-wise, but without conservation, things could get really bad really quickly. Yeah, conservation, if you look at historically over the years, even since like the early 2000s and just, you know, population growth or our production or demands on the system, uh, conservation has had an effect with that and really has kept us in good shape, not having to add too much new infrastructure to our system, which is costly to install, but we also have to maintain it. 
right? So all that affects rates, which we're all concerned with, right? Everything's expensive these yeah. days. That is a, a positive benefit of the job we've done so far as a community and, and as a city focusing on conservation. Heading into this season in particular, we obviously had a pretty wet and snowy winter, a lot of good snowpack up on the mountains. Um, but, you know, why is it still important that we, you know, continue to conserve even after this year? I mean, we're not in that extreme drought um, level anymore, but definitely still feeling the effects of the last few years prior when we didn't have the quite the same snowpack. It's a good feeling to kind of be out of the red um, and out of extreme drought for sure. Uh, I think we were close to like 200% mean, which is like fantastic. We love to see that, right? Not just for the mountains, but just in general. But the key here is I like to compare that to like you getting one paycheck right? Well, that's great, but next month I need another one, right? And so, you know, we've had four years of, of um, uh, consistent extreme drought. Um, and so our, you know, our water resources don't resupply to that, uh, the point we need uh, with just one good year. So that's going to be a, a continual outlook that we're, we're going we're gonna to focus on hopefully seeing more snowpack. Uh, but back to my point of that's what conservation is for. It's yeah. that it's that little you know shock absorber that gets us through those tough years. What does the city code say about water conservation as far as like irrigation and think like people are turning their sprinklers on? Um, wh what does the city code say about that? And then what's enforcement going to look like this year? Uh, essentially, it outlines guidelines about efficient times to water. Um, so no watering between 9 a.m. and 5 a.m. That's a pretty obvious one, right? We get more evaporation. There's more environmental influences like wind that, you know, move that water around off of our landscape. Uh, keeping water out of the street. That's one you can't really argue with, right? Get those, get your system adjusted, uh, you know, pay attention to it. Uh, repair any breaks or leaks. You know, water going down the drain is just, it's unjustifiable. Um, and then there's some other code about, um, you know, the repairing of leaks, not letting water, being a good neighbor, not letting water run off your property onto your neighbor's property, right? Um, so pretty common sense stuff, um, but things that are important to us and help curb some of those demands. From an enforcement standpoint, we lead with education. As these complaints come in, we go out and we talk with the customer. New for this year is we're probably going to take a heightened uh, effort. We've done about five years of just the educational and voluntary ask. Um, so we're anticipating if we need to the possibility of some fines for for folks that just we're not getting the cooperation uh, we hope it doesn't come to that but it's it's a possibility i believe in the code as well there's something about addresses and watering on even and odd days as well to kind of help conserve water too yeah absolutely thanks for bringing that up um, so if you have an even numbered address like ending in a two or four or eight right you water on even days you set your controller to water even days uh, the same if you're an odd number address uh, what this does is it helps us split up demands on the system so we don't have the the whole city watering at the same time on the same day, which adds to that peak demand on our system. But also a good way to just help out and conserve water too. Absolutely. Uh, there's a misconception we're in the high desert that, you know, even our lawns, our highest water use crop need water every day, and they really don't. Yeah. Um, you know, we can train our plants to grow deeper roots um, and adapt to that every other day. And it creates, it uh, prevents problems from overwatering, which could be anaerobic, soggy soils that are going to actually hurt our plants anyway. Switching gears a little bit, um, wanted to talk about this rebate program that you're um, pushing out 
um, for this season. Tell me what what is it? What's going on? And how people might be able to save some money? Yeah, this is this should be an exciting one for folks. Uh, we're going to expand our, our rebate program. So um, uh, last year we kind of did a, a small pilot rollout of um, outdoor water saving devices. So smart controllers that adjust your uh, watering based off the weather, uh, high efficiency nozzles that use uh, a low flow and um, improve your coverage in the landscape. So some of these outdoor uh, saving devices, this year we're expanding that to multifamily, uh, as well as adding a suite of indoor rebates. So you'll be able to go to your local Home Depot and buy a high efficiency toilet and get 80 bucks off. Same thing with uh, if, if you'd like to focus on the outdoors. So we're scaling it up, adding a few more customer categories to that. So check out our website, but we're pretty excited about being able to offer that to our customers. Do you have any tips maybe for people? I know you um, kind of have come up with this cool slogan of beat the peak. Um, maybe explain that first, like what that means, and then sure. give me a few tips on how people can beat the peak. Absolutely. So uh, our peak, again, is that highest water need day of the summer. Uh, so our, our normal demands hover around like about 5 million gallons a day. On our peak day, that goes up to 26 million gallons. Right. So that uh, part of what our conservation program does internally is to mitigate that peak. Right. If we can keep that peak from getting too high, um, that's what determines the need for new infrastructure, whether it's a new well or a new reservoir in order to meet that uh, that peak demand. Right. And so what we don't want to do is oversize our system for one day. So if everybody can just make small incremental changes or have a, a more heightened focus on what they're doing with their water use, that helps us beat that peak day. And if we can reduce or maintain that day, we're in pretty good shape system-wise. Go visit our website if you haven't, um, waterwisetips.org. Uh, it's got all the information about our current programs. Uh, reach out to us directly. Um, I mean, we're always available. You can email us at conservation at bendoregon.gov. Uh, whether you see water waste, you're just curious about some of our programs um, or just need more information. What does it mean for you to be in this role here um, for the community and kind of giving back in a sense in this way. I love what I do. Uh, I work with a bunch of great people. So, I mean, number one, that keeps me showing up to work every day. My family, uh, myself, we're, we're vested in Ben. I'd like to see us um, continue to be uh, a prosperous, uh, beautiful place to live. Part of that is caring for the resources around us and uh, being able to support the community that lives here. Great. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks to Dan for being on the podcast. You can learn more about the water conservation program at waterwisetips.org. Okay, now on to the engineering and infrastructure planning department where Carrie Theus is going to give us an overview on an exciting new project that's part of a major east-west connection for the city. The only bicycle and pedestrian improvements project is one of the many the city has in the works to help make it easier for everyone to get around town. Okay, I am joined by Carrie Theus. She is an engineering associate here at the City of Bend. Uh, Carrie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah, happy to be here. Awesome. So um, we wanted to do a little bit of a highlight on some of the work that the city is doing in regards to bicycle and pedestrian safety improvements around the city. 
one of those projects is a project that you're in charge of, which is the only pedestrian and bicycle improvements project. Um, so before we dive into that exactly, though, I wanted to ask you a little bit about yourself. Um, so how long have you been here at the City of Bend? Yeah, I've been working for the City of Bend around 10 months now, coming on to a year this summer. And I love my job. It's been great. Love working on the GeoBond team with the engineering and infrastructure planning department. It's been a really fulfilling role to help serve the community and deliver GeoBond projects. Right, and that's such a cool role because yeah. that was all voter approved, all of those projects. Let's dive in a little bit into um, this project that you're working on, specifically the only one. Um, kind of broad strokes for our listeners, what is the purpose of the project? Yeah, so the purpose of the project, like we said, was to improve pedestrian and bicycle um, safety improvements along the corridor for Olney Avenue. So that's a key east-west biking route right now in our city. And we don't have a ton of those to get people from the east side of town to the west side of town. And so we really want to make that corridor safer for all users, whether it's pedestrians, bicyclists, someone in a wheelchair, or a car driving down the corridor, just to really increase safety and connectivity. That's awesome. So in order to um, kind of achieve those goals that you just talked about, like what's being done specifically on Olney, what's the project entail? So starting kind of at the intersection of Olney and Wall, we have some intersection improvements there that we're doing to help cars be able to see cyclists at the intersection and kind of to separate those two different types of users. So intersection improvements there, crossing improvements, and then planning on having a shared use path along the corridor so that a mom can bike next to her kid and doesn't have to be in the bike lane next to uh, busy cars and traffic going down the corridor. And then we also are planning to have a safer crossing at Olney and Second uh, intersection. And so that'll be a safer crossing for both pedestrians and bicyclists. Kind of touching on um, what you just described, like having that shared use path and a mom and her kid being able to um, be removed from uh, the roadway and the cars. So, I mean, why is it so important to create kind of those spaces for people to utilize? I think if we have those spaces, people will enjoy living here in Bend even more. I think it's already a great place to live and bike, but Maybe not for everyone. Maybe it's only serving right now commuters or people that are really comfortable um, and feel okay biking around cars. So I think like just that community engagement, community enjoyment. I know when I'm biking around town, I notice way more than when I'm driving in my car. Like it's like you just start to really pick up on like, oh, there's this business here. Let me check it out. Let me pop in and grab a kombucha or like, I never noticed this park. I want to come back here and explore with my friends. So I think there is something that when we have these pedestrian and bike improvements and we see more people out engaging in those activities, uh, we really start to feel more connected to Bend. Why is it so important to invest in these types of projects to keep people safe? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we definitely, as part of our project, we look at like crash data along the project's um, limits. And yeah, we get to see like, okay, here's where like a crash occurred or like this is a recurring issue. Um, so investing in safety helps us reduce those crashes. So how did this project come about? Like what led to 
um, this project being identified and seen as an important one for bicyclists and pedestrians and, and cars too. Yeah, so the city of Bend has a 2020 transportation system plan and a lot of work went into evaluating what the transportation system of Bend needs today as well as tomorrow, looking like 20 years out. And so the only avenue pedestrian and bike improvements project was identified in the transportation system plan after evaluating safety needs, connectivity needs, crash data, um, operations. So this project was specifically identified as these are some of the biggest areas that we're wanting to put money and resources into for the city. Where's this project, where's the funding coming from? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but maybe explain a little bit more about how that works. Yeah, so in November of 2020, the bid voters passed the transportation bond measure. And so that included a whole list of projects, mostly focused on pedestrian and bicycle improvements in the city. Um, so. Yeah, our team is specifically working on geobond projects, and this is specifically funded by the geobond. What's kind of the timeline? What are next steps? Obviously, um, construction hasn't started on that, and that's when people will really start to notice the project. But um, what's kind of next for you and the project? Yeah, so right now we are evaluating kind of some high-level concept designs that our team has put together, so kind of initial draft designs, and we want community engagement, we want community input, we want to make sure that what we're doing um, with this project and what we're designing is what the community and the people that are going to be using this route want to see. So we have an open house planned for mid-July of this summer, and so that will have an online open house piece as well as an in-person open house so people can come on down look at what we're thinking give us feedback and then we're going to take that in post the summer and into the fall as we do like final design for these improvements along the corridor and then looking at construction spring 2024 through fall of 2024. What is it for you that like kind of makes this project exciting and fun to be involved with? I think for me, I, I love Bend and I love biking in Bend. I love living in Bend. Um, I grew up in a place that was not bike friendly at all. And I saw no one biking ever. Like it was kind of foreign to own a bike or even ever commute by, uh, have by on a bike. So I think like seeing Bend uh, be progressive and like really valuing the safety and community aspect of what these pedestrian and bicycle improvement projects can bring, like that means a lot to me. What is it about this job that you love the most? Like what yeah. kind of keeps you going and wanting to show up to work every day? Yeah, I really love like interacting with the community and hearing their thoughts and feedback. And especially when hopefully we do something that they support or that is like benefiting users that seeing like people use it out using the new section of Wilson Avenue that's like accommodating more users like that brings me a lot of joy. Thank you so much for chatting with yeah. me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to Carrie for taking the time to speak with us. You can head to bendoregon.gov slash only ped bike to learn more about the project.
Okay, moving right along here on our public works theme podcast, we have our next guest from the Transportation and Mobility Department, Paul Nyswanger. He's here to break down exactly what the Street Preservation Program does and where you might be seeing some improvements this year. Okay, I am joined by Paul Nyswanger. He is a project supervisor in the Transportation and Mobility Department. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, and so today we're going to talk about the Street Preservation Program, which is one of the programs that you oversee here in transportation and mobility. But before we really dive into all of that, I wanted to ask you a little bit about yourself. Um, so let's start with how long have you been at the city of Bend now? Uh, I've been with the city of Bend uh, approximately 11 years. Uh, I came from the private side and I was, I was a construction superintendent for Knife River for 23 years uh, before I joined the team here at the city of Bend. What is your role then as a project supervisor here? Um, as project supervisor here, I oversee all of our projects and or contracts uh, within uh, our department. So uh, paving slurry could be chip seal, could be around uh, reconstruction. Uh, it could be procurement for uh, sanding rock or base rock or uh, some sort of like a snow removal contract or trucking contract um, along with any type of asphalt or concrete contract. And so street preservation, obviously one of those um, things that you oversee here and an important thing that we do every year here in the city of Bend. So um, maybe explain to our listeners a little bit about what this street preservation program is. You know, uh, it's a good question. So our philosophy is keep the good roads good. So with that, I, I, it's kind of a, a process of boots on the ground. So before the boots go on the ground, we get a road rating, which is a PCI, which is pavement condition index. So that condition is going to tell us what type of treatment it would do, either uh, a slurry or a chip seal or a reconstruct. Once it the roads have been selected for that year, it's boots on the ground. It's going out and verifying, uh, yes, that's the right choice. And that comes with years of experience of just looking at it and, and knowing the treatment. Um, so with that, once we do uh, our vetting, you know, we provide the, the five-year list or uh, so, uh, or that year's list out to the rest of the group. And that could be uh, engineering private development. That could be our capital improvement group. And it'd be our franchise utility folks too. So like Cascade Natural Gas or Ben Broadband or CEC or Pacific Power, where they have to maybe get their utilities upgraded at that time. So that's the time to get all this stuff done. It's cost beneficial for everybody at that point. Even utilities, even water and the sewer folks jump on board. I wanted to touch on something that you brought up a little bit earlier too, which is the pavement condition index, which you call PCI too. Um, what are the sorts of things that that kind of measures? Like what is it looking for? What kind of data are you collecting? So we have an independent road rater that does that for us. Okay. So what, they're, what they are looking at is they're actually looking um, at, at how the condition of the asphalt um, how many cracks are in the, in the asphalt uh, how pocked it is how smooth it is you know de basically deterioration of the uh, road I mean like you individually I'm sure you go out and check out roads quite often and like what are some common things you see around town that um, you definitely want to see addressed you know getting rid of the cracking getting a smoother ride um, at the same time we're going to try to pick up um, 
safe routes for kids. Sure. Try to get uh, bike lanes with buffers in them, uh, completely restripe it, reconfigure it where we can, upgrade the ADA ramps, uh, maybe have to upgrade a few signs. Um, but the end result is, is that we try to take that road that's potentially falling off the cliff that's going to fail and bring it up to you know a, a new standard won't be a hundred but it will be close but that'll give us another seven to ten years of life on it how then um so obviously streets are selected through that pci um program and then you kind of prioritize from there with the amount of funding that's available is that how streets are selected each year yeah yeah and that and, that, and that's pretty much it so i i have a a budget that we usually work in um well within that budget you know we're gonna we have we try to do an average of 19 lane miles for each one of our programs and we try to try to fit it in there um some roads have to be pushed into the following year or some roads might be pulled forward depending on how fast they're deteriorating with that all the funds come from the general fund uh, we get some some money that comes from the mpo which comes through the state i would love to be paid from one end of the town to the other end but you know you gotta you gotta be smart i mean try to make sure that we stretch our dollars as far as we can right right and that's I mean, you've touched on that throughout this conversation already, like how it I mean, that's important to you, obviously, is to stretch the taxpayers money as far as we possibly can to make sure that roads are maintained. Yeah. Like like, uh, for instance, last year is is uh, if you look at the corridor approach and try to get everything done. So uh, with the mobilization of equipment between, uh, it's big dollars to move equipment around town. So uh, last year, I I believe we saved ourselves a pretty good penny with the contractor. We lumped all the roads uh, within one area, which was Mount Washington, Putnam, and Shovel. They all tied together. They all needed it. It was just a, a treatment that needed to be done. And it was timing, and it worked out, and we're able to extend our monies into other programs. Uh, maybe touch on the different types of treatments that are done within the street preservation program, and um, kind of what they achieve. Sure. Um, so, if, like uh, pavement, if we do a grind inlay, that means we're going to go in and we're going to grind out uh, X amount of inches. Normally, we're going to grind out two inches. It's going to try to get rid of the potholes, uh, the uh, cracks and fissures, and, and, and try to get rid of all that stuff. So grind inlay, so we're going to grind it and repave it back in. An overlay is, is where we're going to just overlay the existing asphalt. We have chip seals. Uh, it can be a quarter ten chip seal for like residential or a three-eighths chip seal for maybe an arterial collector where it's going to give us more friction. Uh, the other part of that is, is a slurry. Uh, we do a type 2 slurry here within our residential streets and we're going to do about 19 lane miles of that this year uh, within our city of Bend streets and this is going to be our seventh year for slurry so this year then kind of um, taking a look at what what's happening this year with the street preservation program where are we going to see crews this year you're going to see crews uh, you've probably already seen crews out um, some of the crews that we were, we're doing some self-perform work within town um, but this year 15th Street from Bear Creek to Reed Market mm-hmm. with Synergy with uh, Kaney and the CIP group uh, for the roundabout um, and Pinebrook. Uh, Pinebrook was uh, pretty much almost a failed road mm-hmm. with uh, uh, and it's 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 not 
considered an arterial or a collector, but it acts like one. So it comes off the parkway and it's a direct connect over to Brickswood. Uh, we had a lot of root heaves, a lot of issues with that. Uh, with those two projects, with all the projects, we're adding buffered bike lanes, enhanced uh, markings. Um, so you're going to see a big improvement on that. And, um, also, uh, with, within this year, we, we're going to be doing uh, Butler Market. Uh, we're going to do 8th and Butler Market Roundabout, which is going to be perpetual pavement. Then we'll take the, the rest of the roundabout, the rest of the paving, grind and inlay out to 4th Street, where we wrapped up here a couple of years ago. Uh, OB Riley, we're going to start right uh, business 3rd Street, where we're going to tie right into ODOT's work, and we're going to take it right out to UGB. Uh, within that is another synergy project where we're working with uh, GRS, Jack Robinson and Sons. They're working with a contractor. They're doing a section between Roper and Glen Vista. We will save some money. They will have it all prepped for me to where I don't have to grind out that section. Uh, they'll ha- they'll have the initial four inches paved, and we'll come in and put another two more inches on top of that. So that that helps save the taxpayers a little bit of money. Um, and then 27th Street. Uh, on 27th Street, northbound, we did not have a bike lane um, coming out of NAF intersection. So there was an old island there. Uh, folks are going to see that that island is now gone, uh, which is going to in turn give us room to create a safe, uh, safe uh, uh, bike lane down through there, uh, kind of reconfigure some lanes. And then we're going to repave that, do a grind inlay uh, from NAF, basically down the Butler Market. Um, our slurry uh, is another treatment that's all type 2. That is all over town. We'll be over at Park Commons area. Uh, we'll be in and off of Broster House. Um, who will be in off of Boyd Acres. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to be all over town. So um, there's a lot of folks. Uh, American Lane will be in some more commercial areas this year, too. And we're working that in, into some areas where we can try to... Where, where I think we're starting to see some light in there and catch up on some of this stuff. What do, what do you like about your job? What kind of keeps you motivated and wanting to come to work every day? I have a sense of pride that uh, just get to watch, you know, the, the progression of the, of the city and how it's built. And, you know, it, so it, it, for me, it's a sense of pride to just come back day to day. You know, I, I can stand on Mount Washington at 3rd Street and honestly tell you that I helped build that road from, from there clear around Mount Washington to the parkway. Some way, shape, fashion, form that I was involved. Either I was either the foreman or I helped work on that project at the time. That's cool. That's great. Um, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I appreciate it. You bet. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to Paul for being our guest. If you're interested in learning more about the street preservation program, you can head to bendoregon.gov slash street preservation. And one last thank you to all of our guests on the podcast this month. I also wanted to take a moment to thank all of the staff members who make up our public works teams. Thank you so much for all of the hard work you do and for your dedication to our community. Thank you for tuning in to Inside Bend. If you enjoy listening, don't forget to subscribe and you can check back each month for new episodes. And also a very special thank you to the Pitchfork Revolution for providing us with this music. Music.